Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Pressing Shots on the Pro 10 Radio Network. Today is Thursday, September 10th, 2015. Pete Zebron of Tennis Acumen joined by Stephanie Neppel of I Have a Tennis Addiction. Good evening, Steph. Hey, Pete. I can't believe that we're having our show as scheduled instead of watching the women's semifinals. We're at a Incredible. We. Show. <laughs> Yeah, we were going to move this back a, a day so we could both tune in in its entirety to uh, to the to the ladies semis, but uh looks like that's going to have to happen tomorrow due to rain in New York City and uh yeah, here we are uh Thursday with uh literally no tennis at the USTA Tennis Center in New York and um Steph, we we were able to enjoy some very good tennis uh on the ladies side, uh, especially the Serena Williams Venus Williams quarterfinal matchup. What a what a match that was! And Serena Williams obviously getting the win, two wins away from uh, from another major. But let's talk about uh, the battle she had to endure with Venus, particularly in the second set. It was one of those matches. Of course, I mean, if we step back, this is a match that we knew was possible. This, um, you know, the second slam in a row that we. We saw it coming, and, you know, in Melbourne they could have played as well. Venus had, you know, third set lead on keys. We could have had them playing the semifinal. Um, really a bummer. Mm-hmm. Venus is looking really good. Um, you know, she mm-hmm. kind of had a bit of a dip um, after starting here really strong, and so, you know, she took out Benchich very convincingly in the fourth round, really thought that was going to be a, a difficult match. Um, or, sorry, in the third round. But, but yeah, Serena Venus is where all the attention was, and, I mean, what an occasion, you know, a lot of times I feel like when you watch, you know, get prepared for live coverage of a match, especially a women's match, you, you know, oftentimes they'll, they'll talk about a match, a men's match from the day before. And, mm-hmm. you know, I find it really annoying. And, of course, in this instance, the match was delayed a bit because uh, Chilich and Songa played such a long five-setter. And so the, the night session was actually pushed back a good hour or so. Um, but ESPN really was respectful and knew that the story of the tournament was, was, was about Serena and Venus playing. And, you know, there were some amazing features they did and lots of, I mean, I was in tears at some of it. I mean, they, they really did a great job of of showing the magnitude of, of not, you know, a preview of this match, but what these two have meant for women's tennis, for tennis, for American sport, global, you know, they're global sports icons. And so, um, it was a pretty big moment two nights ago, and I got to say, the match really delivered in my mind. I think it was a yeah. fantastic quality match. Um, but yeah, it certainly ended with uh, with probably not a lot of happiness on either side of the court, even though Venus was smiling a lot at the net. But uh, I thought it was a fantastic match. I think it it well deserves the attention that it's received. I agree. There were points of that match, Steph, uh, consecutive points, where it was like Rock'em Sock'em Robots. There was some very heavy hitting going on. And, uh, you know, Venus Williams, great great U.S. Open for her. This is the furthest she's gone since 2010, and um, she's mm-hmm. had some nice results this year, and especially here in New York. Uh, obviously, uh, you and I did not get a chance to see her in Cincinnati, and uh, as you mentioned, as you alluded to, Steph, uh, kind of a shame that this matchup had to happen so early in the tournament, it was a quarterfinal match, but uh, Venus Williams showing some very good form in in New York, playing exceptionally well. Obviously, took the second set from Serena six one. That's how that's how well Venus Williams has played uh, the last couple weeks in New York, and um, unfortunately for her, it had to come to an end uh, in, against sister Serena. But uh, Venus played an exceptional tournament, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the Benchich match really expected. I mean, I I kind of fully expected Benchich to win that. I thought, you know, she looked a lot better this summer, but it was a straight set, six three, six four win for Venus. And obviously, once um, Venus got to the quarters, she did get a surprise. Or sorry, fourth round, she did get um, a, a qualifier. Um, and uh, sorry, yeah, a qualifier and um, and that convict. Contavit, which I'm sure I'm saying her name wrong. I did hear it pronounced and went. I gotta remember that. Um, but yeah, Venus, you know, got through six two six one, and and it was interesting because the the quarter, sorry, the fourth round match, Serena played against Madison Keys. That was one that everyone was expecting to be really difficult mm-hmm. as well, and she handled Madison six three six three. So, you know, both uh, Venus and Serena really put 
a quick, you know, got quick wins over, you know, Benchich and Keyes, who are two of the most talented youngsters we have on yeah. the tour. So, you know, when they took the court, I mean, I swear those the first five games in particular was some of the best tennis I've seen in such a long time. You know, such power. Venus's serve, her forehand was, I mean, I was asking, really think we need to do more in learning, um, you know, the, the ground stroke speed. I mean, we get it every once in a while, but I really think that we should be shown that graphic a lot more because, you know, everyone talks about Madison Keys having, you know, stronger ground strokes and quicker strokes compared to even some of the men. But, I mean, Venus was just cracking the ball. And mm-hmm. it was just incredible, um, you know, at least five, first five games. And, I mean, it ended up being a 6-2 set in Serena's favor, but it didn't feel like it was one-sided at all. It, it really was a point here or there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you mentioned before, Serena dropped the second set. It was it was strange because Serena couldn't – I mean, the stats in that first set for both were – both double-digit winners, single-digit errors. I think I'm mm-hmm. that's definitely on Serena's side. I think she only hit two errors. I mean, it was just incredible um, quality. And all of a sudden, yeah. Serena just kind of dipped a little bit, and Venus really took advantage in that second set. But the third set was kind of, I think, a little bit more of what we've seen this year with Serena, where she might drop a set and that third kind of coast with it. And I think she went up. I mean, she got the break pretty early, and it never seemed in doubt once. I mean, I I didn't think she would lose at any stage, even that second set, because you could see, you know, I think when she got broken the first time at double fault, you know, it barely even hit the net. It was terrible. Um, So, you know, it's interesting to watch that and think, okay, instead of playing tonight like she's supposed to be against Roberta Vinci, Serena gets another day off, and, and someone tweeted me, I know I have a group of lovely people that I email about stuff, and someone said they hoped that two days break by Serena wasn't too much to knock her back into, like, first week form, you know, because she does play herself into form in the slams. Um, You know, and hopefully an extra day isn't going to, you know, make much of a difference. Um, But I I have to say that the Serena-Venus match lived up to every expectation. You know, we never know if it's the last one we're going to see. We have seen more in the last two years than we've seen probably in the last five, mostly because mm-hmm. they, they were out with injuries. But, you know, this is the second time they played this year. They played Montreal last year, Charleston the year before. But every time you just never know if you're going to see it again. And so, you know, there's so many tributes. There's so many pictures resurfacing and, and stories. And, and I've noticed, I, I feel like Richard and, and Orsine are getting a lot more credit at this stage, mm-hmm. um, with everything going on, it's hard to ignore Patrick Mortagalu and his, you know, he likes the spotlight. R- Richard, you know, for better, for worse, used to kind of enjoy the spotlight. Orsine, not really. But I feel like we're, we're hearing more and getting a lot more tribute to how amazing they are as parents and coaches, which I think is really necessary because they deserve so much credit. I com- completely agree. What what Richard and Orsine have done is is remarkable. Really, is that's all that's all I can say. It's it's amazing. It's unbelievable in a sense. But yet here we are living it right here and now. And Steph, I want to go back to the very last uh, game of that match. You know, Serena getting a little emotional. Uh, you know, she ended the match with an mm-hmm. ace, but you could tell the last two or three points were were very overwhelming for her. Uh, her facial yeah. expressions were. Uh, you know, she was not able to enjoy it. It was a little stressful for her, and she knew Venus was yeah. playing very well and very a, a big mountain for her to climb and overcome. She did it, obviously, with an ace, but a uh, couple, couple of things. You can tell how much it meant to her, but uh, also uh, how much uh, was on the line there. For sure. I mean, you know, Serena's never going to be as expressive against Venus as she is with other players. You know, you see her being more subdued, but definitely – you know, she let a little bit more out towards the end, um, you know, but she's not screaming, come on, and everything. I mean, she obviously mm-hmm. treats it a little bit differently. Um, as much as she'll say she tries, you know, to forget about who she's playing, I mean, that's just not – I mean, Serena says a lot of things that you just take at face value. You know, uh, sometimes she just says what she feels like saying, not necessarily the truth. But, um, yeah, definitely the – 
I think, you know, a sense of relief. And, and I was reading, um, Lindsay Gibbs is a good friend and, and a wonderful writer. I was reading something on the changeover, and she basically talked about the smile on Venus's face, kind of like saying to Serena, it's okay, you know, it's okay that you've won this, you know, almost kind of giving her permission to exhale. Because, you know, as many times as we've seen, it's the 27th time they've played. I mean, you know, fans, the same discussions come up every time about, um, you know, how awkward it is. And, I mean, even Orisine didn't even go on site. Um, Serena and Venus's sisters, Isha and Lynn, were on site, but they didn't sit in the stadium to watch. I mean, you know, for them, it's – I mean, I, I read something as well about this on ESPNW, how it's harder on the family than it really is probably on Venus and Serena themselves because they're in an awful position of, you know – not knowing how to how to do it. I mean, do you you can't just sit there and try and cheer for both. I mean, it's it's very awkward, and a lot of fans of both sisters sort of feel that way as well. But you know, I feel like a lot of the hardcore Serena fans who love Venus are just like, well, Venus, I'm sorry, but this time is not okay. Maybe next year, <laughs> you know, um, with history <laughs> on the line. But uh, but yeah, I think that it was it's great to see Venus in such good form. I think sometimes. You know, it's it, she's just been kind of sketchy, a little, inco- you know, really inconsistent. But I think she reminded us that at age 35, she's still an incredibly tough opponent. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that's a nice reminder for people that keep talking about how she should retire by now because she's tarnishing her legacy, which I call BS on. I think that yeah. is just not the case at all. She still can be just about anyone out there. Um, and, you know, easily, you know, things that have been slightly different in the third step could be talking about her being in the semifinal. I mean, I I want another slam run for her. I just, unfortunately, I just mm-hmm. couldn't allow it to happen at this one. <laughs> no, I agree. Well put. And, uh, you know, something you said a little while back, Steph, the, uh, the graphic that we seemingly do not get is the uh, – the ground stroke, the forehand speed, uh, because mm-hmm. you mentioned keys, but also, uh, again, the, the heavy hitting uh, of Serena and Venus. Uh, Venus especially, she was really blasting the ball back to Serena, and yeah. Serena was using that pace well, but uh, 35 years old, Venus Williams will still bringing it. Again, very powerful forehand, and uh, you, based on what we saw, you have to think uh, against Literally anyone else uh, that night, uh, she would have been in the semifinals. But uh, not to be for Venus. Serena is in the semis. And Steph mentioned her name a couple of times in the show so far. Serena Williams will be facing off with Roberta Vinci, one of two Italians who have made the semis. And uh, Vinci has has reached the quarters twice before in the U.S. Open. But uh, first major semifinal of her long career, um, in addition to two Italians in the in the semis, Steph, Three of the ladies are in their 30s, uh, including Roberta Vinci. So credit to Vinci uh, for, for getting this far. Tough match for her against Mladenovic, who I saw play uh, quite a bit in Cincy last week, a couple went a few weeks ago, played well. But uh, Vinci, by the way, was playing qualifying last week in New Haven, or two weeks ago in New Haven, the week before the U.S. Open. And uh, all credit to her for a very nice run on hard courts that is still alive and well in New York. Well, you know, I will say with New Haven, I mean, it's such a small draw, and they do get a lot of top players. But Vinci's ranking has has dived down quite a bit um, in the last um, few years. And I was reading something that said that, you know, a year ago um, Vinci was ranked, I think she was ranked around 30, and then she's, I think going into the Open this year, she was ranked in the 40s, like mid-40s, I think. Which, um, 43. You know, but she's actually risen up in the rankings a lot more in the last few months. Um, I mean, she played Toronto and played Serena in the quarterfinal and played her tough. It was 6-3, 6-4. Serena hurt her fingers on her left hand in that match. Um, you know, a lot of people, I mean, I, I think if I had to make a list of 30 players I thought would possibly make the, the semifinals of the Open. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have had Vinci on there, even though, this is her mm-hmm. most successful slam. She made the, the quarters in 2012 and 2013. It was 2012, I remember, she upset Red Wanska on the way uh, to the quarters. You know, she's never made it past the fourth round any other slam. This is one she does very well at. So I think the way her summer was kind of building, um, maybe it's not completely out there, but she was in that part of the draw that was affected by 
uh, a lot of upsets. I mean, she was in the sex. She came out of the section with, you know, Pliskova, Kuznetsova, Svitolina, you know, Suarez Navarro, Yankovic, Ivanovic, a lot of those first-round losers. And then, of course, Jeannie Bouchard, who really kind of put some form together and made the fourth yep. round here, you know, a really great win over Zabolkova uh, in, in the third round, had to retire after a real quirky concussion that, I shouldn't even say quirky, a worrisome concussion she got in the locker yeah. room after a doubles match where she sounded like they had shut down for the night, not realizing any other player, you know, was around and, you know, slipped on some water trying to find light. Sigley had to pull out of mixed doubles, women's doubles, and then, you know, save to the last minute the singles match she was supposed to play against Vinci in the fourth round. And, I mean, that's a tough one to call. I mean, I you know, Vinci had beaten Jeannie, I think, 6-1, 6-love in New Haven. But I certainly, I mean, I certainly thought it would have been closer this time. Um, yeah. You know, the U.S. Open is quite different than New Haven. So, yeah, Vinci got that walkover. And, you know, if you look at the players she faced, I mean, certainly didn't have to face any speed at all um, to get to the semifinals. But, you know what, she's 32 years old. I think three of the four semifinalists are either 32 or 33. Um, so this is Roberta's chance. And, hey, you can only play who is in front of you and, you know, walkovers happen. Yep. So, yeah, she's 32 years old. And, uh, I mean, what a moment for her to get to, you know, to make it to the semifinal. So I know Serena's going to take her seriously. A lot of people probably think it's a complete – you know, no, there's no chance in the world that Vinci uh, would play Serena close. But Vinci's got some. She's not a, a conventional tennis player in terms of you know the power. She's all slice and dice and great net play. So I think it is going to mm-hmm. be a little closer than people think. Yeah, and and uh, Roberta Vinci, uh, very uh, accomplished doubles player as well. So that will that will factor in. You mentioned Steph. Uh, Toronto meeting four and three, pretty close scoreline against Serena Williams, who obviously is in form. Ironically, that the very next match, Serena did lose to Bencic, but uh, at the same point, excuse me, as you mentioned, uh, I I believe it will be closer than people think as well. Serena Williams, in my opinion, still a straight set win, but uh, not necessarily blowout city that I think uh, non tennis fans are are looking at uh, number one versus number 43 it's it, it's not really that uh, given the fact that uh, Vinci has been in very good form the last month or so but uh, at the same point certainly Serena Williams looking to get to the final uh, has the 43rd ranked Italian Roberta Vinci in her way but um, yeah I, I don't see uh, too big of an issue with uh, with Serena and uh, you know going back to uh, uh, almost what you know, Roger Federer said in, in beating Gasquet uh, last night uh, on court stuff. Fed said, you know, after facing Isner, it was nice to see something a little lesser coming at me. And you have to think that uh, after Serena playing Venus, uh, anybody else at this point is going to be a uh, a sigh of relief for Serena Williams. She can exhale now after playing and getting by her sister. Yeah, I think that makes a difference. And if you look at her opponents and playing Keys and Venus back to back. I mean, that's some that's some pretty mm-hmm. wicked power coming at her. Um, you know, we've seen her this year struggle a little bit against Nicolescu. I think that you know part of the emotion of that match when she arrived back at Indian Wells. But I, I mean, mm-hmm. Vinci is certainly an underdog in this match. But again, I don't ever I don't ever expect things to happen in the way that other people do. I just kind of take it as it is and, you know, you just know, you never know what can happen. Um, but I think it's great to see two Italians in the semifinals because not only is Vinci there, Flavia Panetta is in familiar territory, um, mm-hmm. making the semis for the second time in three years at the U.S. Open. And there's some huge thunder in my background, excuse any outside noise here, <laughs> starting to get a, summer, a late summer thunderstorm. Um but yeah, Flavia Panetta, um, here again, you know, this is definitely a slam that she loves. She, you know, has had some very good wins here. Remember in 2011 watching her beat Maria Sharapova, you know, two years ago in the semis, and here she is. Last year she played the quarters against um, Serena Williams. I think she went up a double break in the first set before losing. But Flavia is 
beat uh, Petra Kvitova yesterday. Um, yeah. Who made her biggest run ever at the U.S. Open to make the quarterfinals. And sadly, the the, the matches yesterday, both, um, I mean, all four women's quarterfinals went three, three sets, which I know the WTA was tweeting. I can't remember the last time it happened. It's been a bit of a while, but uh, I didn't get to see any of the matches yesterday, the Halep, the Nazarenka, and a bit of a Panetta match. But Flavia, you know, definitely going to be a fitter player in the third set. Petra is well-documented. Mm-hmm issues with humidity she obviously has mono the fact she made quarters with mono is kind of ironic to me <laughs> that she'll yeah. have her best fun in new york when she's i think though it, you know it's probably just when i don't even you know just zero expectations on herself and maybe just kind of swung a lot for uh you know freer but uh but yeah so where do you want to dive into here we've got we've got halop and panetta the other semifinal yeah well i'll yeah, as you mentioned, all credit to Flavia Panetta, uh, second semifinal in three years, stuff. And as you mentioned last year, losing to Serena. So uh, another Italian, another Italian in their 30s, who's, again, another very accomplished doubles player. Very nice wins, uh, Steph, against Panetta, uh, excuse me, against Kvitova. And uh, the, the round before beat another former U.S. Open champion in Sam Stozer. So Flavia Panetta playing very well. Steph, she's got uh, Simona Halep. Uh, I didn't, unfortunately, not get a chance to see the Halep uh, Victoria Azarenka match either. Uh, nice win for Simona Halep there, and and yet another mm-hmm. player who is making uh, headway in the U.S. Open. Her her very best result, Steph, and in five previous uh, attempts at the U.S. Open, Simona Halep uh, was not able to uh, get out of the round of 16, and here she is in the semifinals. Uh, after a disastrous clay and grass court season, Steph made both the finals in Toronto and Cincinnati. Simona Hall playing very well and backing that up uh, again with uh, with a su- spectacular win against Azarenka. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, uh, follow up on this show quite a bit. Uh, let's let's dissect this Hala Panetta semifinal uh, again. It's it's one that uh, I don't think a lot of people expected. Uh, Victoria Azarenka was in a lot of people's brackets uh, sitting here in the semifinals. Uh, she got close, but Halep knocked her out. And again, uh, Panetta, I don't believe you mentioned 30 people or so in the semifinals. Vinci wouldn't have been one uh, for you. Uh, Panetta, uh, maybe on the fence for me uh, as far as that. She's got a seed in the 20s, but here she is again. So um, let, let's uh, let's first of all talk about the matchup, uh, Halep and Panetta. Where would, uh, how, how do you see this one? Well, well, for starters, they've actually played four times. Panetta's leads the head-to-head three to one. Um, they actually did play the U.S. Open two years ago, round of 16. Flavia won that 6-2-7-6. At the time, um, Halep, oh, hang on. It's got ranking on here, but I'm not sure I trust it. Um, it, it says 80, one of them was 83, the other was 19, but Halep wouldn't have been ranked 83 still two years ago, was she? No. Anyway, I don't know. I've got, no. I've got a WCA head-to-head, so I'm trying to look at it um, in terms of ranking and seeding. But, yeah, I mean, Flavia, um, the two played in Miami this year in the round of 16. That was a 6-3-7-5 victory for, uh, for Halep. That was the first time she'd beaten Flavia. I don't know. I think it's interesting because I think had the match been today, I definitely would have given a pretty firm edge to Flavia just because um, Simona, I don't know, I feel like Simona is kind of like a Kanye Shikori where – I feel like she's just always got some injury that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's completely fair, but I, it feels like all summer long, um, you know, especially in Cincy and obviously in the final and in the, you know, Toronto was all about, you know, her leg, her hip or whatever it was. And, you know, worrying about her, you know, physical state and, you know, Halep had a tough couple tough matches um, which you expect at a Grand Slam. I mean, she had a roller coaster win over Sabine Lasicki in three sets, mm-hmm. and then obviously taking on Azarenka, and then being, you know, was up or was down a break in the sec in the third set, and ended up um, having a rain delay. And so yeah. you know, she did pull that out six four in the third. And I was listening to that on US Open Radio. I was coming back from a meeting, and so I was trying to you know listen to it, and I heard. I vis- I pretty clearly heard Simona scream when she when she won it, and I've seen the photos of it. I mean, 
a lot of people have been talking about how much more expressive Simone has been, and I, and I noted that, you know, when we talked about Cincy, especially the match against Petkovic, I've, I really didn't mm-hmm. hadn't seen up close how much she yelled at herself, how, you know, she just is very, yeah, just very expressive. So that, you know, back-to-back having three, you know, two tough three-setters, I mean, I kind of feel like that's sending her up a lot better because she's really kind of maybe gotten through, um, you know, I don't know, sometimes that can help you turn the tide. But I don't know. I feel like we've had a couple surprise finalists at Slams this year in Savasheva and, and Muguruza. I don't know. It mm-hmm. feels like it was written in the stars we're going to get number one and number two. But I wouldn't be surprised if Panetta ends up pulling it and making her first slam final. I mean, personally, I think that would be amazing because I've always been a big fan of Slavia. Um, but I'm sure a lot of people think that Serena Simona final would be fantastic. Yeah, and we just had that final in, in Cincy uh, stuff that uh, you and I mm-hmm. both were able to, to watch. So, uh, Simone, I, I, I liked your point, however. If the, if the match were today, uh, slight advantage to Panetta, <laughs> I, I, I I, I agree with that, and I think the fact that it will be tomorrow, Halep uh, now now goes out in front as the fa- as the favorite. You know, uh, this was supposed to be the second match today, and ironically, uh, the schedule tomorrow it's going to lead off the day on Ash. So Halep and Panetta are mm-hmm. first up. I'm going with Halep here. I really, again, her form on the hard courts uh, in North America. You know. Uh, coming into the match against Yankovic in Cincinnati stuff, uh, you know, questions were asked of Simona Halep and press, uh, you know, are you happy with how are you doing here in Cincy given, you know, your your run in Canada and having to retire? And she, yeah, she basically said it's, it's bonus time. Well, she parlayed that all the way to uh, a very competitive final against Serena Williams. So, Great analogy also of, of uh, comparing Halep to uh, Kay Nishikori. We never quite know what we're going to get, but uh, uh, unlike Nishikori, Halep is able to uh, to keep going and, and, and win and, and advance, and here she is, her best-ever U.S. Open. She's at the semifinals, a, a winnable match for her, uh, and, but I completely agree. I love the way you frame that stuff. Um, the extra day of rest will do Simona Halep a heck of a lot of good, and I, I like her in three sets in this one. Yeah, and I was just going to point out, this is, if you look at the Grand Slam records, and of course, Serena's going to trump everyone out there, you know, in terms of the number of, of Grand Slam semifinals, um, but this is uh, Simona's third Grand Slam semifinal, obviously the runner-up uh, in at Roland Garros last year, and then the Wimbledon semifinal, and this is Vinci's first, this is only Flavia's second, um, you know, after mm. the U.S. Open two years ago. Serena has this will be her 29th Grand Slam <laughs> semifinal. So, and she's only lost three times. You know, we've talked about that. How amazing her record is. You know, she hasn't lost. She hasn't lost a Grand Slam semifinal. I'm trying to think in my head. Oh, the 2009 U.S. Open, which of course was the infamous Kim Clijsters match. That's the last time Serena's lost a semifinal match. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I. I, I'm pretty certain that we're going to get Serena Halep, but I still give a, a pretty good chance to Flavia. You know, I feel like, you know, she is 33 years old. She's not going to have a lot of chances left. Simona, she talked a lot about the pressure, and, and there's been some quotes coming out about, um, in fact, Flavia was asked about her and, and, you know, about kind of what happened to her the last couple months. And, yeah, I mean, and Simona talked about the French Open and how she felt like, she had to equal what she had done the year before, and that was a lot of pressure on her. So, you know, you, you could argue that Flavia and, and Simona will both be feeling different types of pressure, but I feel like there's going to be a lot less pressure on Flavia. And, you know, she sh- yeah. she's proven again that she's a great hardcore player. You know, this is someone that won Indian Wells last year. She had, she's a very tough mm-hmm. player um, on the hard court, but... Um, you know, whether she can capitalize, uh, Flavia can capitalize and try and take advantage of another, possibly her last semifinal slam. You know, this is as good of a chance as she's going to have. You know, she's not playing someone that can blast her off the court. So we're we're just going to have yeah, to see. One, one, yeah, I want to ask you a couple questions on that. Uh, first off, I, I 
seem to recall Panetta had talked about retirement not too long ago, but um, uh, you mentioned 33 years old against 23-year-old Holop. Um, here is Panetta in her second major. I'll go back to uh, something that Lucy Shahafova said in the round WTA roundtable in Cincy. Uh, again, she's been on tour 12 or 13 years, and what she said, Steph, is that she's really enjoying herself now on, on, on tour, doesn't have to prove anything to anyone. And with respect to that, perspective on how she's approaching things obviously she's enjoying success on the tennis court last year and this year and uh, i'm wondering if if it might be the same for panetta saying okay i've really gone the distance here and uh you know i yes i can step away at any point in time and feel very good about myself i'm wondering if that lack of pressure or just free flowing free wheeling if you will has led to a renaissance uh you know and not only a shahaf of his game but uh, also Panetta, uh, semifinalist in New York two years ago. You mentioned winning Indian Wells, huge tournament last year. Back here in the semis with a real chance to get to a final. Do you uh, do you think that per- perhaps both ladies, uh, or this might uh, really something that Panetta subscribes to, that uh, it's all good at this point? Well, I want to say that the whole retirement thing, that was a lot of people's interpretation. Um, when Flavia beat Maria this year in Indian Wells, she was crying on the court, I think, after Tamara was after the first or second set. And there was all this conversation on Twitter and amongst, you know, tennis people that, you know, mm-hmm. because she had had her biggest win ever the year before and in Wells, obviously a tournament she loves, that possibly she was going to be retiring soon. And mm-hmm. that was a lot of just speculation. And, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. just any player that gets to that stage in their career gets asked about it, but... I think it was about a year or so ago, maybe two years ago, that Flavia talked about it a little bit, how, you know, she kind of thought she was going to see how things went. I'm pretty sure that was towards the end of 2013. And then, of course, in 2014, she has a fantastic um, – I, I would have to look this up because obviously she made the semis of the U.S. Open two years ago. But, um, but you know, she did have a great run in Indian Wells and winning that last year. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like – you know, we keep aging these athletes more than they age themselves. And it, and I remember, I don't remember if it was Venus. I think it was Venus that said once, you know, I don't know what it is about tennis that we're always trying to push our, our, our you know, players out the door. Yeah. And it's really yeah. true. I mean, why do we have to obsess about their age? Age is just, and it is a number. I mean, do we learn nothing from Andre Agassi, who was, you know, right. making – his last Grand Slam final at 35, and he was, you know, still number one at, what was he, 33 or something? I mean, it's just not the same game anymore. And so, you know, I just get I get perturbed when I have to hear people tell me that Venus or, you know, even Federer. It's like, well, yeah, Federer hasn't won a slam in over three years. But are you telling me he's tarnishing his legacy because he's losing a few more matches than he used to? Like, I don't I don't understand that perspective on it. Right. I mean, with Venus. Um, but if you look at Schiavone, you look at Lee Na, you look at, you know, I mean, a, a Vinci and, and Panetta, here we are, you know, 32, 33-year-olds. And, and Flavia said something impressed yesterday that, well, in life we're not old, but, you know, you guys right. are basically telling us that we're old, but we don't feel old. I mean, look at look at Venus Williams' cover court at 35 and tell me she's old? No, she's right. not. We are just old-minded people if we think that, you know that age is going to tell us when it, when somebody should should leave the game. So yeah, I mean that's that's you know my little rant about that. But uh, you know I, I feel well, like yeah. Bobby is just doing. You know I I don't know that she's doing this extra motivated thinking that maybe she's going to retire in a year. I I mean I don't know, but I just think she's not going to feel the pressure because she's not the top two player. She's not someone who's been in this stage very often and i feel like she's going to have a bit of a looser brain because of that yeah well three three of the uh semi-finalist stuff are approaching their mid-30s i mean that says a lot mm-hmm. and uh you know there's all up at age 23 but uh again yeah. one of those uh players approaching their mid-30s serena williams defeated a person in their mid-30s, Venus Williams at 35. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree. A great point by Panetta that, uh, you know, we're not young uh, when we step off the tennis court in, in, in life, but uh, I, I agree. I, I don't uh, – I, I remember when 
Pete Sampras near the end of his career before he won the U.S. Open and did retire stuff. People wanted him to, were, were, were hounding him uh, to retire. And then when he did retire, people were asking one, the same people, when are you coming back? It's like, okay, yeah. what, what really, what really is this? And so we, I, I, we should really be appreciating all these players and what they're doing, yeah. how they're performing. They're playing some of their best tennis right now at the age that they are right now. So I agree. There's, there's no, no need for any of these folks to retire. They can do that at, at, um, when they feel like they're ready to, uh, to step aside and, and do something else in life. And uh, Steph, before we uh, step aside from the semifinals and, and take a look at uh, what happened in some of the quarters in round of 16, some some new names uh, breaking through, if you will, anything else uh, that you want to talk about in the semis before we uh, take a look at some of the earlier action in week two? Um, I did want to say that I suppose this kind of ties in the quarterfinals, but um, you know, we talked a little bit about Petra having her best result um, in some time. It was actually the first time since 2012 that she'd made a, a non-Wimbledon slam quarterfinal. Um, to give a little wow. bit of context, you know, she's someone who, you know, perennial top tenner, kind of jumped down the rankings. I think a lot of people always regard her as top five. But, you know, outside of Wimbledon at the slams, she just does not put together many wins. And so, you know, the first time in three years that she'd actually gotten to a quarter quarterfinal and another slam I thought was, uh, again, I, I just find it really funny um, that of all the circumstances for her to, to kind of, you know, really do well, it was here. And it did sound like things kind of, you know, finally caught up with her. Um, she did have a tough win over Joe um, Conta, you know, Brit in the in the fourth round who, you know, I said I don't know a lot about Conta. I know she had a lot of wins on the ITF, kind of had a little bit of a winning streak coming in, but um, you know, last Brit standing really. <laughs> I think I think yeah. she was in the draw long, longer than Murray, or did they lose the same day? I forget. Um, but yeah, I mean <laughs> Petra hadn't actually dropped a set getting to the quarterfinal and had won the first set against Panetta and really lost, you know, the second set to Panetta six four. So um, you know, we'll see what that means for Petra. Certainly. You know, if she really, I think she said she was going to go and, you know, see her doctors and get evaluated again and mm-hmm. then decide whether or not she's going to go play in Beijing. Obviously, she should qualify for Singapore. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she normally is, that's one of her favorite parts of the year, of course, is is that indoor time of year. And so I guess it will be interesting to see how hungry she is to kind of push through Asia if she doesn't feel great. Yep. Or if she'll really kind of save a little bit of that uh, to try and do well in Singapore because she hasn't qualified yet, but they did announce that Maria has qualified and, and Petra is next in the list, so I'm sure she will qualify. But, uh, but yeah, I just want yeah. to throw that in there. No, that great point. It, it really does uh, share context stuff. The fact that uh, Kvitova first uh, major quarter outside of Wimbledon since 12, and, and this is you know a two-time major champion both at Wimbledon, of course, but uh, someone of this caliber, I mean, sitting at number two for quite a bit of this year, and yet, uh, you know, outside of Wimbledon, not, <coughs> excuse me, not uh, not being able to really perform as her ranking states at, at the other three, and, uh, you know, maybe the French is a, a little bit out, but uh, certainly Australia and U.S., I'm, I'm it is a surprise that uh, she has not performed better there uh, at both of these places. But um, good win for her. I, again, good run for her. Uh, again, with Mono, won the New Haven title, was playing some good tennis coming in, and uh, as you mentioned, did uh, did have the first set against Panetta before <laughs> dropping the last two. But uh, nice uh, win for Petra Kvitova, nice run in New York. Hopefully she'll get the rest she needs or diagnosis she needs to uh, – to be her best on the tennis court. And Steph, going back to uh, earlier in week two, I want to uh, point out that uh, Kiki Mladenovic had never been past the third round of any major, and here she reached the quarters here in uh, in New York and was a set away from getting to the semis. I did see her compete very well against Simona Holub in Cincinnati. Um, unfortunately for her, she uh, had to call the trainer very late in the third set and, and really was immobile the last couple of games where Holup, uh, you know, was able to serve that out to win a 7-5 third set. 
too advanced, but uh, really impressed with with Mladenovic and uh, and what she's been able to uh, to accomplish in New York. And uh, big win for her over Makarova, and then uh, again a setup on Vinci before dropping. But uh, I know you had a chance, I believe, to see some of Mladenovic and Cincy, and uh, want to hear you chime in a little bit on uh, what she was able to do in New York. Yeah, I only remember seeing a little bit of. I can't even remember what match it was in Cincy. I really didn't see a lot. Um, I think oh, I mm-hmm. saw the end of the Hanchikova match where they were dressed like twins, and and Kiki <laughs> stole my photo um, and <laughs> stole my photo on Instagram. But that's fine. Um, you know, she's. I, I definitely and and I, I kind of generically say sometimes she's someone that we things up, and, and certainly has had some good runs and doubles. But you know, she's she's your kind of. To me, basic power player, you know, I know that she's good at the net. She does, you know, is playing a lot of singles. But, you know, she's tall. She's got the power. I think she's just getting a little bit more consistency. Obviously, had a real tough match against Halep and Cincy. Could have easily won that. Um, it's nice to see her. I, I mean, I think she's a fun player. I think she's got a great personality. She's obviously French, so she's kind of got, you know, that whole French brain kind of, uh, you know, French flair on the court. But, yeah, I mean, she, you know, the Makarva match didn't see that. I wasn't really surprised given that, you know, Katarina has been struggling with injuries. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for Kiki to get through to a quarterfinal, I mean, it's it's about time. I, I think that she should be ranked higher than she is. I mean, right now she's going to be moving up inside the top 30. Um, I'm not sure if she's ever been that high. Right, you know, going into the open was ranked 40, um, mm-hmm. and you know she plays a lot. I mean, I'm looking right now; it's 28 tournaments. I mean, she plays a lot. Um, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe you know, if she kind of gets a little bit higher ranked now, if she's going to be in kind of seeding position, maybe she'll kind of pick and choose a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I mean, projection. I'm saying she should be ranked about 28. Um, after the U.S. Mm-hmm. Open, so you know, great for her. But I, I, from what I saw, I mean, I know she called the trainer a couple times against Vinci. Um, I had people saying they didn't see any problems when she called him earlier in the match. So I don't know. You know, we always have the gamesmanship discussion, but yeah. I thought that that was a pretty winnable match for Kiki, given I suppose. Just, I just thought she would probably get through that. I didn't expect Vinci to get through mm-hmm. to the semifinals. But, uh, yeah. you know, very close match. So, you know, we'll see if she can kind of do anything more, um, you know, the next couple of months. Because, you know, it's some good momentum for her. I mean, she's kind of been building to that this summer. Obviously, you know, good win at the French this year. I mean, she loves the crowd. She's just, she seems very personable, gets along with a lot of people on the tour, you know. So, I feel like she's someone that we kind of want to get to know a little bit better, and it's nice to see her, you know, hanging around the tournament a little bit longer. Yeah, good, good call there. I, I, I agree. Uh, I, I did. Uh, I thought she competed well against Simone Halep when I saw her in Cincy. But again, the uh, I, I, interesting stuff. She called for the trainer was taped up, couldn't move. But yet uh, later that day, actually did play a doubles match, so uh, that was a little puzzling to me. Uh, but she really was not able to move at all uh, in, in that match against Holop and Cincy. And um, you know, one of the people that Holop uh, beat here in New York, Steph, uh, Victoria Azarenka, who had a very nice win over Angelique Kerber in the third round. And uh, some people had uh, <clears throat> Vika, you know, going all the way to the final to. Uh, to play Serena Williams, but not to be a uh, tough three set match against Simona Halep who, uh, who got through that. But um, we've talked about Vika quite a bit on the show and, uh, you know, hasn't really played as well as I think both of us uh, have thought or expected. And um want to get your thoughts on uh, Vika going out to Simona Halep in three here in New York. Well, that was a match that really screamed, intrigue I suppose because I hadn't played in a couple of years you know this is Vika loves US Open you know two time finalist but uh, she's had three sorry I am sick so I'm going to say that my brain is a little laggy today but 
Um, all of Vika's losses this year were in three sets at the Slams. Um, you know, every match is different. Obviously, she lost to Sebulkova in the first round or the um, fourth round in Australia, and of course, that was an incredible match. That for many is probably a top ten match this year uh, for best matches. I mean, it was just incredibly good quality. We know what happened in both Roland Garros and Wimbledon against Serena. Um, you know, losing or winning the first set and then losing in three. But against Halep, you know, she kind of like Halep played great in that first set and Vika kind of was able to pull it out. But, you know, she lost that lead in the third. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I for one, picked her to make the final. When I did my pick, I kind of thought that she was, it was going to be her time on a turf she really does well on. But Halep's not easy. And Halep on the hard court's been very successful. But for me, it was another kind of tight three-set loss for Vika going to hurt. Um, you know, yep. whether she was completely recovered from her Cincy injuries, I don't know. And she had some weird reaction to her clothing. She got some blisters, which does happen, but, you know, she basically looked like she was going out for war. She had, you know, the taping on <laughs> both of her arms. And, I, you know, I still stand by. I don't think her kit was very flattering. I think she it exposed the fact she just does not look in fighting form, and I, you know, it's hard sometimes. It's taboo to talk about players' weight, especially in the women's side. But you know, she's wearing really tight clothing, and she just didn't look very fit. And I'm mm-hmm. hoping that, you know, I, I don't know if she's going to qualify for Singapore. I don't think it's completely out of the question because it really is pretty. You know, there's there's lots of potential depending on what's going to be happening in Asia. But I kind of just, I still don't see her is consistent enough to be considered like a top 10 player. Um, and, and, you know, we talk about the rankings again. She's still going to be ranked around 21 after mm-hmm. the U.S. Open. I mean, she didn't – she made the quarters last year and lost to Makarova, I think. So, you know, she actually pretty much leveled her points at the U.S. Open. But this year – sorry, last year she shut her season down after New York, I believe. So – you know, whether, you know, she's able to build some ground. But i got to say it's just a little bit another disappointing kind of result for Vika. And, yep. and I think we just need to lower expectations a little bit because she just has a ways to go yet. But, you know, she seems to have a very good perspective and attitude about it. Yep. Comments and press. And she tweeted something about, you know, it's just there's no looking back. She just has to keep pushing forward and working hard. And uh, there we go. But I, you know, she had the match we haven't talked about yet, it was Angelique Kerber, and of course, Kerber was someone that I was hoping was really going to get a good run in the slam, but she unfortunately pit, you know, got Vika in the draw. They had a, a wonderful match um, in the third round that went three sets. Um, Vika won that 6-4 uh, in the third. I was out of town and was watching a little bit of that, but, you know, I, I feel like that's just rough for Angie. I think she definitely could have at least gotten the quarters, um, you know, with a little bit of a different draw. But, uh, but yeah, so Vika, we'll see if she can get into a later stage of a slam. You know, I mean, two quarterfinals isn't horrible for her this year, but it's not quite what she wants. Well, I agree, and uh, you know that that was uh, that that match really lit up the whole WTA draw at the U.S. Open. Uh, a third round match against a very informed Angelique Kerber and Victoria Azarenka, as you mentioned, Steph, a two-time U.S. Open finalist. And so th- this is these are the kind of matches that do happen when a player like Azarenka has her ranking in her twenties, and uh, you know a match that should have <clears throat> taken place at least in the quarterfinals. We get in the third round and two heavyweights. So one of them is knocked out and eliminated in the third round. In this case, it was Kerber. And uh, as you mentioned, Steph, this is because Azarenka's ranking is in the 20s. And she needs to get that up. Uh, I I agree. Expectations are are lowered a bit with her. She really hasn't proven it uh, uh, so much this year. Has competed extremely well against Serena Williams. But uh, then uh, other matches against other players hasn't been able to deliver and get the job done. Um, hopefully we'll see better things from Victoria Azarenka, as you mentioned. She's going to be fighting, <coughs> excuse me, she's going to be fighting the rest of the year to uh, make a move to see how high she can get in the rankings. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, still, I, I agree, tapered F- expectations for Vika at this point. 
Yeah, but I think that's the same sort of running theme we've had all here. Um, you know, you can blame Locker, you know, the luck of the draw, the luck of, yeah, I mean, basically she's had, I mean, I, I get it having to play a number one or number two player, but she played Serena in the quarters at Wimbledon. Yeah, it was a third round at Roland Garros. I mean, she's drawn, you know, Serena earlier in Madrid. She's had Wozniacki a lot, which really obviously hasn't been a, a problem for her. But, you know, at some stage you have to keep, you have to quit saying, oh, well, you know, it's really unlucky they're drawing these players. I'm like, no, it's not luck anymore. You're still ranked around 20 in the world. You're going to get a top player earlier than you're used to. But, you know, for me, it's just something about her, you know, she's being really injury prone right now. Um, but, I mean, I, it's, that's unlucky. But is that but is that really luck? If it's, it's training related, I don't know. Um, you know, she, I think she had, you know, those big injuries under Sam Sumick. We just saw Jeannie having lots of injuries working under him. Maybe that was part of an issue. You know, maybe she's being pushed too hard, not you know, doing the right things. But uh, but one thing I did want to mention about Vika's match with Halep that came out yesterday was Vika saying that she was surprised at the pace of Simona's ball. And mm. I know our friend Renee Denfeld tweeted, you've got to be kidding me, basically. He said, how how can you have Wim Fissette as your coach and not know something about Simona Halep? I mean, <laughs> I mean it, it, that's, that sounds ridiculous. Um so I don't, you know, it, it it made it seem like she just was taken aback a little bit at the pace mm-hmm. of Simona's shots, which I I just found interesting to say the least. Yeah. Uh, because you couldn't ask for someone with more inside information on on uh, your opponent's game than that. But what can you do? Um, maybe seeing was believing, and because maybe she hadn't played her in a couple of years, you know, she's really maybe just didn't realize. Yeah, what what it would feel like, and said it took a little bit of time to adjust. So, well, I, anyway. I will say this stuff. Something, I, yeah, something I learned from the ATP show I do on Monday nights with Jared Pine is that uh, the courts, uh, particularly on Ash, have been speeding up throughout the tournament. The the new uh, structure of the roof and and whatnot, but the court itself, from what I've been gathering, it has been speeding up. So perhaps that little element is something that. Uh, as Aranka is found unexpectedly, the the fact that the court itself is is faster, but uh, you know, she would she would have figured that out after a couple of games. But uh, still, just wanted to throw that in there that uh, the conditions, uh, particularly the speed of the court, has been increasing throughout the tournament. Yeah, that's a good point to make. You know, I some players say they really never know. Like Serena, I should say, always says she just never notices. <laughs> If the, if the play, you know, if it's faster, if it's, you know, slower or whatever, and there's been lots of people that believe in general the game has been slowed down. But, uh, but yeah, it does make a difference. Um, and, of course, the weather has been really good at the Open yeah. until, of course, when it comes crunch time. And, and I did want to talk about that a little bit. I was, you know, I, I acknowledge that in a lot of tournaments around the world, it's not practical that people are going to be able to come out during the day and watch tennis. You know, maybe they want to, but they only have so many vacation days. And I'm talking more in the U.S. because overseas, please, people have so much more time off than we get in this country. Um, But, you know, today they knew the forecast was bad and there was discussion about, you know, I even saw a tweet, and I feel like it was from someone in the know saying, you know, they're talking about whether to move them forward um, because the women's semifinals were both tonight, uh, a night session, and... Of course, what happens, they get through the day session, not completely, there were some doubles, you know, college invitationals going on, the mixed the mixed doubles, or not mixed, sorry, the men's doubles, uh, both semifinals were played. But then the matches that, I'm sorry, kind of are more important and have a lot more at stake, um, they didn't get in because they were night sessions. Right. They, they announced it at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, I think in my time zone that it was going to be pushed till tomorrow. So it's not okay to have a day session on a Thursday, but when rain affects you, throw it on a day session on a Friday. I mean, I don't understand the USTA's decision-making when it comes to these stages of the tournament. I mean, yes, luck comes into it with weather, but isn't it better to have the semifinals in a day session and then have a bit of a buffer in case it does rain? 
because this is just ridiculous that now tomorrow all four semifinals are on. You've got their starting play at 11 o'clock, which I'm sorry, that's really early for a semifinal. 11 o'clock, they even struggle, you know, earlier rounds to get people in in the stadium by 11 o'clock. And uh, and then, of course, the shadows apparently at noon on Ash are kind of difficult. I remember Panetta has been quoted by saying that. um, But, yeah, so basically, you know, Flavia uh, and and Hal first and then Serena's after that, and then the men apparently not before 5 o'clock. So I'm just kind of baffled by that. I would have thought that if anything – they would have tried to pull it out because basically at about 6 p.m. Eastern time, that's when play finally got suspended. They could have had those matches on it from 1 o'clock and got those mm-hmm. semifinals played. Instead, you're going to yeah. have semis and the final back-to-back. That's exactly what they were trying not to do. And right. here we are again because, remember, you know, last year the women's final was Sunday, the men on Monday. This is the first right. year in several years that it's like this and I'm just kind of annoyed by it all. And I understand there's a lot of things at stake. There's TV, there's the players, you know, they obviously have, you know, ticketing policies they have to worry about. But, I mean, don't you agree that it probably would have been better to have a day session for for the women's semis? I agree. This is about the players. The players make it all happen. And, um, you know, I'm I'm hoping, Steph, given uh, our new schedule, if you will, no matter who whom is in the final, I hope it's a good caliber final at this point in time. Uh, yes, the ladies play every day in, in, in regular tournaments throughout the year, but uh, there's a lot going on here right now. And two two matches back to back, you know, back to back days, a semifinal and a final. Uh, yes, that happens in other tournaments, but this is a major. Uh, this doesn't happen at all, at all the other majors, and it's only happening here because of what we experienced in, in New York today with, with rain. I, I agree, and uh, for the sake of everyone, especially the finalists, uh, I, I hope it's a good caliber final and that they, they're well-rested given the scenario that they have to cope with now. Yeah, I mean, if you remember um, in 2011 when Serena had her semifinal that year, and I can't remember now who she played, but I remember it was a really late finish, and I remember that it was like, I think it was 2.30 by the time she got to bed or, you know, I just left the, because I remember in the Venus and Serena movie, um, you know, they have cameras. And of course, 2011 was the year they recorded everything and they interviewed Sasha Bayan and he talked about how late she got to bed and, you know, she was so flat in that match against Dozer. And I mean, yeah, Dozer played great, but yep. there's a scene where, you know, we can't, we can't see Venus and Serena, but we hear Serena talking about how tired she felt. Um, you know, the worry is having it finished late. I mean, I think it's just supposed to be cloudy tomorrow. I don't know if there's a chance of rain. But, you know, at age 33, almost 34, having a turnaround, especially, you know, right. at this level, I just don't – and, I mean, Super Saturday has been, you know, made passe, which I think is great because I just don't understand how you would go from having, every, you know, a day off in the first week and a half of a major and all of a sudden when it gets to the very – you know, crunch time. Oh, you don't need a day in between. I mean, it's just, I think it was avoidable in this instance. They they knew that there was some bad weather coming. And I just don't understand why Sam Query and Steve Johnson played their doubles match and we didn't have our women's semifinals. So I, I think there we that go. was a bad fall. But, you know, no. I don't yep. work for the USGA, but if I did, I certainly <laughs> wouldn't have, I, I would have never in, in any circumstance had a men's grand slam final at monday at five o'clock because that right. it just goes along with you know thinking about trying to get fans to come um you know and, and five o'clock start time during the week i mean come on but anyway yeah, yeah well well you, you make a great point about uh, a semifinal starting at 11 stuff because those those shadows like you mentioned about noontime are mm-hmm. are difficult i, I they're Terribly difficult for the players, serving in shade and receiving in sun, and the the ball going through all these different light changes, and you know it, it does not play well on television either. It, it's very difficult to watch uh, a match during for that uh, twenty, thirty, forty minutes uh, from about quarter to twelve until about twelve thirty. It, it's I couldn't imagine trying to play a match, uh, let alone a semifinal in those conditions, and yet these are what uh, Simona Halep and uh, Flavia Panetta will have to encounter tomorrow. 
Yep, I suppose it's just one of the things they, you know, anything can happen. Um, but, you know, the roof yep. has definitely created, it's going to be great when it's done, mm-hmm. but it's definitely created some interesting shadows this year. And by interesting, I mean crappy because, you know, yeah. you've got three quarters of the court is dark and then the other court is too bright. So even watching on, you know, a, a big HD TV, I, I was really struggling. You know, it's just, it's not, it doesn't look good, but I guess it's just, part of the process of getting a roof on, but we will persevere. Yep, yep. Steph, we have uh, the possibility of of number one and number two in the final. Number one, uh, Serena Williams, I think uh, both of us have her not only penciled in there uh, to reach the final, but also to win, but uh, want to uh, talk about the other semi uh, between Holop and Panetta. I'm actually going with Simona Holop in, in three here, where I will have the number one and number two players uh, playing yet again. This is a, a rematch of uh, of the Cincy final, um, I, but I do have Holop over Panetta in three. How about yourself? Well, I, I said earlier that, yeah, I mean, I feel like Simone is going to win, but I give I give Flavia a big chance. So yeah. that was my pick. So. Yep. So we've got uh, number one, number two, Serena Williams, Simona Holop. Uh, I think we're both going with uh, with Serena here. Two or three sets. I can't pick that without knowing who it is, but I would hope it's yeah. two sets. And, and, you know, I'm just going to say that I was looking up. Uh, I always said if Serena made the final, I was going to fly to New York for the final. I've been in New York for the last two women's <laughs> finals. I've watched Serena win um, number 17 and number 18. Uh, I did mm-hmm. look at resale tickets, and they're the lowest one's like 275, and then they're, you know, upwards of that, which isn't isn't obscene. I mean, you know, I've been to a couple Australian Open finals that have been about that. So, I don't know. I, I work now three miles from an airport, so it's very tempting, depending on what happens <laughs> in the studies tomorrow, <laughs> to fly to New York right. and watch for myself. But I feel like, um, yeah, I mean, I think it, for something like this, if Serena's in the final, maybe being in the privacy of my own living room, you know, bawling on, <laughs> bawling in front of the TV, <laughs> whether she wins or loses, I'd be trying either way. Uh, but one quick thing I want to say before we sort of wrap up is that you know, sure. there's been a lot of discussion about the fact that obviously the the, the Grand Slam hasn't been won since since '88, when you know Graf was beating everyone with her eyes closed and a, and a you know an arm tied behind her back. I mean, you know, comparing her year with Serena's, I think is just I know it's going to happen, but it's I just don't think you can compare it. Um, you know, tennis was so different back then, and you know, and is it it almost makes Serena look like hers isn't as good because she's losing more sets and more games. I mean, it's, you know, I think it's better, you know, sort of narrative, but regardless, um, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of debate and discussion whether Steffi Groff is going to be there at the final if Serena's there, mm-hmm. kind of ready to, you know, either hand a trophy or something. And, you know, Andre Agassi, of course, Groff's husband is in New York, but, you know, he has a lot of his own interests. So, I think that's going to be an interesting thing. You know, Steffi is not someone who likes the spotlight, but, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to think that she's been asked whether or not, you know, whether or not Serena gets there or not. But if, if she does and, and if Groff is there, I mean, that would be pretty. I think for most tennis fans, I'd probably, like, send them over the edge of emotion because, you know, right. it's, it's, it's not like, you know, Chrissy and Martina who are just always on TV because of their commentating and, you know, they're just those sort of personalities. And Steffi gives very few interviews. I mean, even when she was playing, you know, she just was so quiet. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's it's completely her decision if if she did decide to, you know, go if Serena makes it. But, you know, I don't think badly of her if she doesn't. I mean, remember when the WTA had their 40th anniversary and all those players were there? Steffi was not there. I know she got a lot of criticism for that. But... You know, her life is not being involved with tennis the way that some people think maybe she should. Um, but I think right. she's, she can make up her own mind. But I think that'll be an interesting thing to sort of watch to see if Steffi's actually there. No, I agree. I, I, it would be nice. To, uh, it, it's certainly doable. She's uh, she's on the continent and uh, and can get it done for sure. But uh, yeah, great yeah. great point there. It, it would be it would be nice to see. Regardless, uh, if, if Steffi Graf can uh, can make an appearance, I think she'd be very well and warmly received as well. Yeah, I agree. 
Yep. So, uh, Steph, before cool. we sign off, any uh, anything else? We've got uh, quite a bit of tennis coming up for the next couple of days. Nope. I'm just ready to watch the semifinals tomorrow when I'm working. So, obviously, that means I'm not going to be able to watch it very much. Um, but, you know, I do wonder with people that had tickets to a Thursday night, you know, are we going to see a decent turnout for that session? Because right. You know, not everyone is going to be able to magically get the day off to go there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's going to be that's going to be interesting. I I do hope that, and I suppose if you know, there's not like four huge names in the in the semis either. Maybe people won't make as much of an effort. But I don't really know enough mm-hmm. about like the policy there with, you know, if if they're given an alternative if they get their money back or not. You know, there's all sorts of issues like that. So, yeah, I'm just uh, I'm hopeful that yeah. just the matches are going to get done and, and there's a decent crowd there for both of them. No, I agree. I will uh, have to catch those on uh, <clears throat> on a delay factor as well, given uh, the work schedule. But, uh, Steph, I uh, wish you very well. I wish you get well as well with uh, respect to a uh, little cold there and uh, enjoy the tennis uh, not only tomorrow but uh, all weekend long. And um, so on behalf of Stephanie Neppel, this is Pete Zebron saying good night and certainly enjoy the ladies' semifinals tomorrow and hopefully the final on Saturday, weather permitting. Good night. Oh, folks.